Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Amen. As we continue today, today is actually the wrap-up of our sermon series, A Backpacker's Handbook. How many of you have had a chance to go backpacking this summer or go hiking or the one time you saw the sun, you were able to go out and enjoy it a little bit, okay? So we're, we're concluding it, and we're in 2 Peter in chapter 3, so I encourage you to get your Bibles out or however you read the Bible, just go ahead and get it out. And we're turning to 2 Peter chapter 3 as we conclude our series today. And today, I've, I've entitled it, Don't Forget. Everyone say, Don't Forget. Don't Forget, okay? My mom said that to me a lot because I have a confession to make to you that to some of you, it will be no surprise. It will be the big, well, duh moment of the day. But uh, my big confession is this. Sometimes I forget things. How many of you want to confess that right now before everybody? Sometimes I forget. See, I have a challenge forgetting. Now, I don't forget everything. There are things that I remember, okay? I, uh, I, I remember today to brush my teeth. You'll be thankful for that. Uh, I got a shower today. I haven't had to be reminded to take a shower since junior high, okay? Up, up till then, it was debatable uh, because I would jump in the water every time I saw open water. Uh, I don't have to be remembered to eat. I've never, my, no one's ever had to remind me, Dwayne, did you eat something today? There are things I've never had to be reminded to hug my kids. I love my kids. I hug my kids. I've never had to be reminded to hug and to kiss my wife, normally after I brush my teeth. So those are things that just naturally have been there. But there are things that I've forgotten, things that I've missed. And that's why, for me, I have a lot of checklists. How many checklist people we have out there? There are things you're like, I cannot forget this. Because life gets challenging, and here now, in, in the, we're heading into September, we're heading into a season of launch. We've been launching our kids to college. We're getting ready to launch our kids into school. Some of you are launching a new career. Some of you are heading into a neat new season. And so you want to have that checklist. I have a checklist that uh, I have on my computer, a checklist. I have a checklist on my app and a phone. I have a checklist that I write down. And even sometimes when I'm going through having to fix some things, I'll do a checklist, and still I forget some things even in the midst of all that technology. And Peter today, as he's looking at this, wrapping this up, writing it from prison, awaiting execution, he's looking to the body of Christ and he's saying, look, family, there's some things I want to tell you because everything is going to be going after you to make you forget, and I don't want you to forget. You need to remember this. You need to remember this. So keep that in mind as we go through 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, and Peter starts off by saying this. He says, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking, that's godliness, and to refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you, there's that word again, remind, that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth, and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? That's my mocking voice there. From before the times of your ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same world, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire, 
They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing. Don't forget. Dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand. How many of you have ever read the Bible and went, I don't understand that? And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. And here's Peter's final words. He says, you already know these things, dear friends. You know these things. So be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And can we read that last line together? Read it with me. All glory. Amen. Say it again. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your goodness today. We thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your patience that you've afforded to all of us. We know it's your will that none would perish, but that everyone would come to you. So, Lord, as we spend just these few moments gathered around your word, Lord, I pray that your anointing, your spirit would be alive in me. That the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. And, Lord, that everyone in this place, that our eyes would be open, our ears would be open, our, our very lives would be open to what, not what I would say, but what you would say through me today. Speak through me, O oh God, and use us for your glory. And everyone said together, amen, amen. So as we look at these final words today... We come to that big thing, and one of the words, when you look through, when you're studying Scripture, sometimes it's good to kind of just, just print it off and kind of circle some key words. Have you ever done that, any scholars out there? You start circling, what are some words that keep repeating themselves? And in this passage, one of the key things that Peter talks, and what he says is he says, don't forget, remember. See, Peter even starts off this chapter by, he says, I want you to remember, because he knows that Dwayne and the rest of us have a memory problem. Six times in those eight, first eight verses, Peter says, remember. Now, why do we have a problem with remembering things? What causes us to forget? See, a lot of times 
when we're going through pain and stress, that affects our memory, doesn't it? Have you ever had a hard time remembering something when you're going through a painful time or you're going through the stressful time? And see, Peter, he knows this very well because Peter is sitting in prison. Peter is awaiting execution. And the people that he's talking to, the body of Christ, they're being persecuted. They're enduring some of the very same things that Peter is enduring. And he knows that when we go through this, we have memory problems. And it's often, if you're like me, it's oftentimes when I'm exhausted, when I'm going through pain, this is when I'm the most vulnerable for making a bad decision. Have you ever made a bad decision out there, right? A lot of times when I look at when when I've made a bad decision, a lot of times it's because I've been going through pain, I've been frustrated, I've been exhausted, I've been stressed out. Any stressed out people? See, when I'm at the best version of me, when I'm stronger, when I'm feeling awake, that's when my best decisions come. They're not all great decisions, but the ratio gets a little higher. But when I'm stressed out, my memory starts to go. And sometimes even as I get through those times of stress, sometimes it can feel like nobody cares. Have you ever said that? Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. And I even start criticizing those that are around me. This is what pain and exhaustion can do. Because the reality, there have been many times that I've thought, you know, no one cares. No one's here. And then as I've come out of that pain and that exhaustion, I've looked around and I've seen that, that I'm surrounded by people who care. There are so many who cares and the Lord himself is there with me. So pain and exhaustion cause us to have memory problems. But Peter is outlining something here that often causes us to forget. And that's the act of rebellion. See, sometimes we forget because we're, act- we're actually acting in a rebellious way towards God. In verse 5, Peter says that they deliberately forgot. See, when we reject God and we rebel against God, sometimes we deliberately try to forget things because if we remember those things, it means that we've got to change some things in us, right? Oftentimes when I've had the privilege of walking somebody and discovering who God was and walking with him, they've often stood before me like, wait, if I'm getting this right and I really believe God and I'm following him, then what God is saying is that there are things about me that need to change, right? And I'm like, You've got it. Discipleship 101, surrendering to God, allowing the Lord to transform you. So sometimes we deliberately forget things. But what I want to say today, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling tempted, if you're trying to find your way in all of this, as we look at the backpacker's analogy, do you know what the number one rule, the first thing that you need to do if you're lost in the woods? Stop. Let's hear it for our scholar out there. Stop. Okay, the first thing you need to do if you're lost is stop. Have you ever seen somebody who's lost and they're running with great passion and great confidence and you know they're lost? You're like, whoa, wait, let's stop. So if you're lost and feeling tempted, you need to stop today and look around and find the Lord in this. And to do this, one of the things that Peter does is he's calling us to stop when we forget. He's saying stop and he's pointing us to something called prophecy. He's saying, remember the prophets, remember the things that were spoken. Now see, a lot of times as it relates to this word prophecy, and especially for those of us who maybe we've grown up in the church, and you know, I've, I grew up in the church my whole life. I, I had no, no choice as a kid. I was there every time. And when the pastor would talk about prophecy, it would freak me out. Anybody have those experiences? Because all these Greek mythology creatures came out, and all these things started coming out. And as a kid, it was pretty scary. There was no flannel graph for prophecy when I was a kid. It was, just, it was things that just really were scary to me. But I think for us, we need to kind of 
get a healthy perspective of what prophecy means because prophecy is a gift that God has given to the church. See, prophecy can be scary, but we need to know that it's a gift from God. And very simply, when it comes to prophecy, theologians describe prophecy this way. They describe prophecy as the reception, meaning that we receive it, and the declaration of a word from the Lord through a direct prompting of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. Prophecy is about that reception and the declaration of a word from God through us through the direction and instruction of the Holy Spirit. This is what prophecy is. And when we look at prophecy, prophecy tends to have two purposes. And the words that theologians use is they use the word foretell and foretell. It's not a word you're going to use a lot probably this week. I'm going to foretell something right now. Forthtell and foretell. See, when we talk about forthtelling, we're talking about something for the present. See, the prophecy, uh, it, it affects the present. It's something that is prescriptive for today, for edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. And we read about this in 1 Corinthians 14. It's something that the Lord is speaking to us through somebody else for today that gives us instruction for what we need. A lot of times we're praying for wisdom, and the Lord often will speak through somebody else to bring wisdom into your life. That's foretelling. The other one is foretelling. This is the one that we hear a lot about because it deals with predicting the future. It's predictive. It tells something that's about to happen. And that's what Peter's pointing to. He's saying, as the prophet said long ago, aren't you glad that God is timeless? That he can see ahead and he can begin to tell us things. How many of you wish you knew right now everything that's going to happen to you tomorrow? It's a little mixed in this. There's sometimes I want to know, and sometimes it's like, I don't want to know. It's like when someone has a secret, it's like, is it good? Because if it's not good, I don't want to know. Don't tell me about it. But see, the Lord in his, in his graciousness, it's a gift. But as we look at prophecy, we need to recognize that all prophecy, it points to Jesus. When we look at Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, all the prophecies, they point to Jesus. And this is key in us discerning. Because everything that comes forth, even as I'm speaking now, we need to have discerning voices. Is this of God? Is this something that God is speaking? And as it relates to prophecy, we also need to recognize that this is a very powerful tool. Think about it. If someone is saying, thus saith the Lord, God, God is speaking to me right now and giving a word from you. That's a powerful thing, isn't it? And what I've found, if you go through Home Depot and you start pulling off stuff, the things that have the most power in them, they also have the biggest warning labels. Have you ever seen those warning labels? This is sharp, not to be used by a child. Don't drink this. There's all kinds of warning labels that are around. And as it relates to prophecy, we have this big warning label in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, the Lord warns us. That, you know what the penalty is for falsely speaking for the Lord? It's death. We dare not mess with this. I'm very careful about saying God is speaking to me to tell you something. This is something God wants you to hear. I make sure it's backed up by scripture. I make sure that I've heard right. Because there's a big accountability. There's a big responsibility that comes with this. So prophecy, it's an amazing thing. But we need to be careful, don't we? We should be careful in everything that we say. How many of you wish that everybody that was on social media had a lot of caution and restraint in how they talked? Isn't that a good thing? <laughs> we need to have this. And But Peter is saying, he's saying that in all of this and looking back, he's saying, I want you to have a good memory because you need to have a good memory because scoffers will come. Peter talks about scoffers. See, scoffers is nothing new. We've always had scoffers. There are scoffers around today. There were scoffers around back then. And there's going to be scoffers around tomorrow. 
In every area that you go, there will always be scoffers. And Peter is saying, I want you to remember, remember these things. Because scoffers have great potential for discouraging us. And it seems to be there's always a lot of scoffers around because scoffing is easy. It's easy to criticize something. Just wait until the Seahawks start playing. You're going to see a lot of scoffing. Because it's easy. It's easy to sit in, a, in, a, in, a, in an easy chair and say, I wish Russell Wilson was doing that. I wish Pete Carroll was doing that. It's something very different to get on the field and experience the field, isn't it? It's the same thing at work. It's very easy to criticize the boss until you're the boss. See, scoffing is easy. And what Peter is saying here is that as it relates to spiritual things, as it relates to God, to be a scoffer, it requires that you deliberately forget two things, and he underlines two things to forget. And what Peter is saying is that to be a scoffer, you have to deliberately forget origin. Where you came from, who made you, where did you come from? And he's saying that you also need to deliberately forget judgment. Origin and judgment. Origin we mentioned just already that it's, it's the memory, it's remembering that God made everything. See, origin is so important because this is the beginning of the gospel story. The gospel story begins like this. God loved you and he made you. God made you, all of you. And I, every time I say this, I can't resist the temptation to go, do you want to see a masterpiece? Look at the person next to you. And this is your opportunity to look and say, you are a masterpiece. Now, if that was creepy, I apologize. I don't fully endorse everything that people do here. But the gospel story begins by God made you. And then Peter also, he goes to judgment. He says, remember Noah. How many of you have heard of Noah? Not the movie that messed it up, but Noah, okay? Remember Noah because God is just and fair and there will be judgment. And he's saying that to be a scoffer, you need to forget where you came from, but you also need to forget that God is just and fair and he's going to judge everything. When we keep these two things in mind, it is difficult for us to scoff. So we forget it. So we can do whatever we want. And some may think, well, God, I mean, does everyone know who God is? I don't really know who God is. Well, Paul answered this in Romans 1. Paul says that God has revealed himself to everyone. Romans 1 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. And in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. That's a big sentence, isn't it? It says that no one has an excuse for not knowing God. Now, can we be confused at times? Yes. Can we have questions? Yes. But scripture says that God has declared himself. He's revealed himself. I had this conversation with a young man who was driving me from, an, from a uh, repair shop one time to work. We get in the car and we get talking. And he's like, where should I bring you? I said, well, bring me up here to this church. He said, what do you do there? I said, I'm a pastor. He's like, great. I'm like, what? I'm like, so what's your story? What's behind that? He said, well, I used to believe in God, but I know he doesn't exist anymore. And we talked about it, and this very scripture came up. This very scripture came up. And we had an amazing conversation about it. See, God has revealed himself. He's drawn us, he's drawing us all in. And see, remembering the truth of God is crucial in our lives. We need to remember this. And as Peter is continuing this thread of saying, look, I'm in prison. I'm awaiting persecution. You're being persecuted. 
you need to not forget, but there's two key things that I want to lean in. And he leans into our memory of holiness, and he leans into the importance of God's timing. His timing is everything. See, holiness, holiness is a thread that Peter's had throughout all of his letters. And we see this throughout the New Testament. It's always a constant. A matter of fact, in his opening statement, Peter says, in both of them, talking about First and Second Peter, he said, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome, that righteousness, that holiness, that godliness, and to refresh your memory. See, what Peter's doing, Peter is giving us a gospel refresher. Because, see, the gospel is not just about rescuing us. The gospel is about restoring us and renewing us to the way that God designed us. We rejected God. God loved us. He sent us his son to die for us, to pay for what we could never pay for. And now as we surrender to him and we repent, his spirit fills us and strengthens us and restores us and redeems us. This is a powerful thing. See, holiness is the reflection of a disciple, someone who surrendered their life to Christ. See, holiness is the chief attribute of God. So when God is in us, there's going to be fruit of a redeemed life. Everything that's healthy grows and produces fruit, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Right? Everything that's healthy, it grows, produces fruit. Now, there's fruit in my life from following God, but I'm not perfect. Everyone said, yep. I'm not perfect. Some of my fruit has fallen to the ground. It's got a little bit, little bruised. There's some stuff over here that's it's kind of weird looking. That, but God is out to redeem it and to strengthen it. It is a work in progress. It's called sanctification. But there will be fruit. There will be fruit. That's why I love getting around what we used to call the old saints of the church, people that they've served the Lord their whole life, and in their age you see this fruit blossoming. Have you seen that? And I just want to walk up and just hug them and just suck all of it from them. Just <laughs> let that rub off on me. It's a powerful thing. It's that holiness, that, that life in us. It's the reflection of God in us, purifying us. And see, holiness is important because it opens our ears to God. It draws us into that deeper communion with him. See, here's two questions that you ask of every disciple of Christ. And if you're, dis- if you're walking in discipleship, discipleship means that you're being discipled, but then you're also discipling somebody else. It's this full circle. And two questions that every disciple and every person being discipled should be asking is this. First question is, what is God speaking to you? And the second question is, what are you going to do about it? You got those two questions? First question is what? What is God speaking to you? Second question, what are you going to do about it? Because there's that, there's that hearing God, but we also recognize that it's not just the hearers, it's the doers of the word. And I think for a lot of us, our biggest challenge, and in talking to people and walking this through, one of the biggest insecurities that we often have is not so much in the doing, but in the hearing. I've heard people say, man, if I could just know what God would want me to do, I would do it. How many of you wish you could hear God better? You're like, I want to hear him more. It all comes back to this. It comes back to this aspect of, of growing in the Lord, allowing his holiness, putting off our old nature, taking on the nature of Christ. It's him and us. It's not a work we can do for ourselves. See, I need to hear God. I need his power. I need his life pouring through me in everything that I do because I have kids. My kids need the power of God in me because I have friends. My friends need the power of God in me. There's things that I am responsible to do that I can't do on my own. I need God in me. I need his holiness, his righteousness in me. But to do this, God's truth needs to be in me. His truth, his life. 
A.W. Tozer, that if you've been here very long, you know that I'm a big Tozer guy. I love A.W. Tozer, what he had to say. But A.W. Tozer, in talking about this, he uses the example of electricity, and he says this. He says, as electric power flows only through a conductor, so the spirit flows through truth and must find the same measure of truth in the mind before he can illuminate the heart. Faith awakes at the voice of truth. It responds to no other sound. For those of you that you've gone through science in elementary, right? Remember taking those batteries and a light at the end? Do they still do that in school? Or is it just an app now? So they take, I remember like it was a battery, we had two wires, and we had a light bulb. And we're trying to see what's going to conduct electricity. And so we would take those two wires and we put it on a piece of wood. Dwayne, did the light bulb light up? No. Is wood a conductor of electricity? No. Okay, then I would stick it on the girl next to me, you know, and uh, say, Dwayne, don't do that. So came back to the wood. Then they would put wire, they put a copper wire in there, and I would touch it. Dwayne, did the light bulb light up? Yes, ma'am. Yes, it it lit. It lit. And she said, "Is that a conductor of electricity?" Yes, ma'am. The same thing is in our life with God. See, God, he speaks to everyone. We all hear that voice of God calling us. We all, we've been made in this image. There's a tuning fork in us that when the voice of God speaks, we feel it move. For some of us, it's been so caked on by pain, by hurt, by decisions we make that it's tough to move. But when this voice of God speaks out, we're made in his image, it begins to shake. And as we clean it up, we're filled with his truth. We become more and more sensitive to his voice. He's speaking. But this is the act of holiness, his truth, his righteousness in us. We're not saved by works. This is not a works gospel. You get what I'm saying, right? It's not a works gospel. But it's that work of God in us, restoring us, alive in us. That's why it's so important that we pay attention to what we watch, what we listen to, what we do. There are things that are beyond our control. When you're walking through downtown Seattle, when you're walking through Shoreline, you're going to see things and hear things that you can't control of. But when we deliberately turn our eyes, turn our ears, hand over our money for things that we know is not pleasing to God, it affects us, doesn't it? It affects everything in us. I need to hear the voice of God. I need to get on my knees and say, God, I made a covenant with my eyes. I made a covenant with my ears. I'm not going to put anything in front of it that is displeasing to you because I want to hear you. I want to lead my children in that way. I want to lead my friends, my family, the body of Christ in that way. I'm not perfect. I've got fruit that's fallen to the ground and it's bruised. And the Lord is working on that. But it's that commitment of saying, Lord, help me to walk in this. Because I'm not saved by works. But I'm walking in fullness with you. I'm hearing your voice. I need to hear your voice. Are you struggling to hear God today? Allow him to come in and to wash you and to restore you and to strengthen you and enable you that when you're tempted, you call on his voice and say, God, help me, Lord, because I want to walk with you. God is not going to endorse your sin. He's not going to endorse anything that's not of him. But lovingly, he's going to pull you out. And he gives us time because this brings us to our last point today, and that's the patience of God. Aren't you glad that God's patient? I'm glad God is patient because, man, if God wasn't patient, there would be no me today. God is patient. He is kind. 
And Peter's saying, remember, he said, you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. A thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. What is Peter saying? He's saying God's not ignoring you. He's saying God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you. See, two key attributes of God is that one, God is timeless and God is patient. God is timeless and God is patient. What do I mean by timeless? See, God, he created time, but God is not bound by time. Does that make sense? God is timeless. See, we use time to measure things. But we use it to measure things that have a beginning because if you're going to measure it, there needs to be a beginning. And we use it to measure an end. We have birthdays. We call those birthdays. How many had a birthday this year? Right? We have, August is a big birthday month for us. We have a lot of kids that have a birthday. My daughter had a birthday this past week. But see, we use birthdays to measure it. But you know who doesn't have a birthday? God. You ever think about that? No one's giving him birthday cake. Why? He's timeless. He created time. Our bodies have a beginning and our bodies have an end to it. But God, he's timeless. There is no beginning. There is no end. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He is everything. He exceeds time. He is timeless in all that he does. See, realizing this, we, we make a lot of decisions based on how old something is. When you buy a car, what do you ask? How old is it? How many miles it got on it? Anything ever go wrong with it? And even for our life, we make so many decisions based on our life expectancy. Do you know that the average life expectancy of the male in America today is 84 years? Really? Okay. Now, there are people who exceed that. But do you know what the average life expectancy for women, how, how many think women live to be older? How many think women live to be younger? You're wrong. Women live to be 86.5. Let's hear it for the ladies, all right? They'll be here when all the men are gone, taking care of things. See, God is eternal, and he created us for eternity. He didn't create us for time. And so many times we get caught up in age, we get caught up in all that silly stuff. And God is saying there's a beginning and there's an end to your body, but I made you for eternity. I made you to be eternal. Your soul, it lasts forever. See, God is eternal, and he made our soul that way. And that's why Peter points to holiness. He says, since everything around us is going to melt away anyway, what holy and godly lives you should be living. See, everything around us is going to pass away. When you read through the prophecy, you see that everything around us at some point, it has a beginning, it has an ending. But our souls last forever. They were made to commune with God. They were made to be with God. See, this brings us to that patient nature of God. When we look at what that word patient means, and if you look in your listening God, you'll see that pulled out a little bit more. But very quickly, that word patient, it refers to God's patience exhibited through a holding back of his wrath in order for more to be saved. See, God's will, God's passion, God's purpose is that all would return to him. There's going to be a day of judgment. But right now we're experiencing patience. Aren't you glad for that? We're experiencing that patient nature of God. See, patience is required for our success. We need that patient nature of God. 
He's not slow. He's not absent. He's waiting. And as we tie this together with the whole backpacking analogy, the number one thing that knocks people off the mountain, that prevents them from making it to the summit, do you know that it's not their conditioning? It's their pacing. It's that lack of patience. And I think so many times in our life, we grow impatient with people around us. We grow impatient with ourselves. And we grow impatient with God. We say, God, why aren't you doing something? And what God is speaking to us, he's like, I am doing something. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. When are you going to take that move towards God? That move of surrender and trust to the disciple of him saying, God, everything I have is yours. I surrender it to you. There are things that I cannot understand. There are things that the Lord doesn't tell me and speak to me because he knows that I can't understand it. Or if I knew it now, I'd mess it up tomorrow. Have you found that to be true? There's some things you're like, I'm glad I didn't know that was going to happen because it would have freaked me out. It would have made me run. So God in his patience, he speaks out and he says, I'm waiting. When are you going to surrender to me? I'm waiting. When are you going to deny all that junk that's filling your life? And listen to my words that are calling you to be holy because I am holy. When are you going to take that sin and surrender it, confess it? So you can clearly hear my voice. See, we want to hear God, but his first word is always, get rid of that. Remove that sin. Remove that bad attitude. Remove the things that are getting in the way. The things that are destructive. The things that are destroying you. I mean, can we all stand together and just in an attitude of worship, I want to invite you just to close your eyes and just invite, invite the voice of the Lord to speak to you. Just echo the word, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We want to hear your voice. We need you. We need you, oh God. Be the king of our heart, the king, ruling everything. And in this moment, with our, all of our eyes closed, If you hear the voice of the Lord calling you to a deeper walk, and he's calling you to remove some things for your life, I want you just to slip your hand up and just slip back down. Just that sign of surrender saying, God's speaking to me this morning. Yep, God's speaking to me. Hmm. Maybe this morning you've walked in this place and you've not known the Lord. You've not followed him. And as we've talked about the patience of the Lord, and as I said those words, that the Lord is not slow, he's patient, he's calling you out. You're saying, you know what? I want to surrender my life to Christ today. I want to surrender my life to Christ. With every head bowed, would you just lift your hand up and say, I want to give my life to Christ today. Just put your hand up and then put it back down. See that hand back there? Yeah, Amen. Somebody else, you're going, I want to give my life to Christ today. This is my new day. Amen. Amen. As we head into this response time, 
Just like I said, it's, we're not just to be hearers, but we're to be doers. This is a response time. If there's something in your life you're going, I want to deal with it today, I want to invite our prayer team to go to the sides. If you can go ahead and just move now. These are people, they pray. You have confidence with them. I want to invite you to step out and pray with them. Or maybe there's somebody right next to you that you trust. You're going, I want to pray with them. As we head into this response time, turn to them and say, you know what, there's something I need to confess. I, I need to get it off my chest. I want to deal with this. I want to hear God's voice. I want to walk in the fullness. I want to be that conduit that when the Lord speaks to me, it just it flows right through me. Turn to that person. Respond. Put some action to it. Put some accountability to it. Or maybe you're here today as you're walking this out. Maybe you're struggling with patience. We could all lift our hands to that, couldn't we? Maybe for you it's saying, Lord, I, help me to realize that you are not slow, but you are waiting. Speak to me. Give me strength as I walk with you patiently in that. And find someone here this morning to, to speak that out. Prayer is just speaking, is talking. But let's find some way to respond. We have communion stations open up. That's a great way to come forward. Let's partake around the table. But let's take some time to respond. Amen. Lord, as we head into the response time, I'm praying for breakthrough. Lord, I'm praying that those who are broken today, they would find healing in you. Lord, that those that they, they have this sin, that every time they look in the mirror, they're like, why do I keep doing that? Lord, I pray today would be the day that they have the the courage to deal with it in your presence through your power with the body of Christ. Lord, set us free so we can hear you. Set us free so we can walk courageously following after you in life's surrender as we respond to you. Amen. Let's take some time. Let's step on out. Let's step out and respond to the word of the Lord today.